This is an ABC podcast. Beth, let's say in an imaginary world you were hired to advise um, another team on how to beat Australia. What would you say to them? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, just don't turn up. It's too hard. <laughs> That's Beth Mooney, fresh off her match-winning knock as Australia's ladies claimed a sixth T20 world crown. Six is a lot of titles, yeah? Look, Mooney is joking there, but there's some truths hidden in the joke. We've become a little bit accustomed to Australia's women and their relentless appetite for victory. It can feel routine at times. Scratch beneath the surface and you'll see a wealth of stories that belie that sense of ordinary. A star player beset by injury reinventing her game. A captain who late last year was serving coffees as she sought a mental health break from the sport. A rising star grappling with an increased profile and the building weight of expectation. And a coach striving to believe in herself and step into some big shoes. This team is extraordinary. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Cricket writer and broadcaster Mel Farrell is coming to us from the scene of this triumph in Cape Town. She's going to guide us through this story. You'll also hear from Coach Shelley Nitschke, who spoke to us from the Victoria's Change Rooms. Mel, I mentioned that this women's team spoils Australian cricket fans. How can we even begin to quantify and qualify what they've just done? Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, When you look at their domination of tournaments, World Cups, Ashes, across different formats, I guess breadth of their success, the scale of their success, I don't think it's ever happened in a team sport in Australia and possibly even the world. It is their second hat-trick of T20 World Cup trophies. It just really is incredible when you look at the lists of tournaments they've won you have to go back to 2017 in the 50 over World Cup in England when they were knocked out in the semi-final by India. And since then, they've essentially won everything. I mean, they played 22 games across all formats last year. They lost one of them in a super over against India. They've just won everything. And in these tournaments, uh, when you look at the ODI World Cup in New Zealand, when you look at the Commonwealth Games, when you look here, they're just undefeated the whole time. Look, just by the way, can I just paint you this picture? I'm sitting up at the top level of one of the stands at uh, Newlands right now. Sky's dark, but the lights are still on. And I'm looking down at the pitch and the entire Australian team is sitting around in a circle with the trophy sitting in the middle of them, right in the middle. And they're just like leaning back. Some of them are lying on their stomach, sort of head in hands. And they're just having a lovely time chatting as teammates. So It's actually a really lovely sight several hours after the game's finished to see them quietly enjoy this moment together as a team. That's a wonderful picture. And I think it's really good to paint that picture for Australian cricket fans and to hear about the national team soaking up the moment. Because I think at times the fact that they make winning so routine and so ordinary, maybe we don't fully appreciate just how good we've got it. Do you get that sense at times, Mel? Absolutely. Look, when I do things for broadcasters from other countries, they say, oh, are you bored of Australia winning? And the legend that is this Australian cricket team creates yet another awe-inspiring chapter in cricketing folklore through a clinical display here at Newlands. Australia had to dig massively deep against India in the semi-final 
some some of its media coverage as well. When I look, I'm the only independent journalist who's come from Australia for this tournament. Well, the television coverage has improved. There's this kind of feeling that they're Australia and they're good and they're going to win. So almost what's the point of us covering it, really? Uh, it's funny having conversations with people here post this event, which has been so well received in South Africa and created such a huge buzz. People have sort of asked me, oh, is is a reason there aren't more people here because Australia are just too successful and so people think they're going to win? And I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, do you know what? If they weren't very good, I think there'd be even less interest. So... I'm not quite sure what they have to do or how things will change, but we, we still have a way to go, I think, in Australia in, in just appreciating and enjoying the coverage of these incredible athletes who represent Australia beautifully on the big stage. By the way, I'm just interrupting myself to say the Australian players have now stood up. They're standing arm in arm. And they're giving like hip hip hoorays. So they're obviously discussing various things that have happened. And you can hear their shouts of hooray coming through the night sky here in Cape Town. And it's kind of really sweet, actually. Well, let's take a moment to appreciate some of the incredible efforts across this tournament. Beth Mooney's effort in the final, player of the match. How important was her knock? Incredible. It really was. And it has to be remembered, she started this tournament in terrible form she was so scratchy she had been out for ducks in the warm-ups and had hardly made a run but as the tournament progressed she found her way as she does and that goes up and over as well it's tracing its way to the boundary line and it finds it and a milestone of note here for Beth Mooney and she becomes the first batter to score two fifties in the final of T20 World Cups in the women's game she is one of those players who just manages to dig out a really important knock when it really, really counts. The ability that she has to, to keep doing the job in, in big games is is unbelievable and, and so good to see her perform again on the on the big stage for us. So very happy for her. Ash Gardner has had a busy month. She was front and centre of the always mm. fraught Australia Day conversation. Then she was handed the biggest women's Premier League contract of any Australian woman. And some asked if she was going to be distracted during this tournament. That's not how it played out, is it, Mel? No, she made some very valuable contributions coming in. She was elevated up the order a couple of times, sort of came in when Australia wanted to push their run rate. And her bowling has been incredibly important for Australia. She loves to be in a contest. She loves it when she's involved and she's batting and bowling um, in key positions for us. So I wasn't surprised to see her do so well. And, you know, regardless of, of some distractions that she had, I think she thrives on being on the big stage and loves being involved in the game. So, you know, she was fantastic tonight and certainly no surprises to see her win that Player of the Tournament uh, award tonight as well. Do you know, she really justified that big price tag that she attracted in the the WPL auction. I think she just enhanced her reputation during this tournament. I think we we sort of forget sometimes how young she is. She's sort of been around this group for a little while and, you know, hopefully she, she continues to, to grow and develop her game and, and keep enjoying it and, and keep playing well.
I'm interested in the comeback kids. Actually, they're more comeback adults. I mean, you wrote about Elise Perry leading into this final not long ago. Her body was failing her. She was out of the team. Meg Lanning, we know she was slinging coffees as a barista or, you know, a barista's assistant at a Melbourne cafe late last year as she had a mental health break from the game. How have these two veterans been able to regain themselves and find a new version of themselves to contribute to yet another T20 crown? I think they've done it in different ways, and I guess that reflects different characters as well, and also that there's more than one way to skin a cat or to reinvent yourself. In Meg Lanning's case, I was actually bailed up by her mum in a cafe a few days ago and and she was saying like just how much more relaxed Meg seems and she thinks she's going to see a lot more of her. We wanted her to come back and play cricket but the main thing was we we wanted her to to be happy with what she was doing and and I think that's what what makes everyone really pleased for her is that she's back playing cricket for Australia and captaining but she's actually really enjoying what she's doing so the way she's come back into the group and enjoying herself and leading this group has been fantastic she's playing with a smile and I guess that's all we could hope for and and doing a fantastic job. Uh, We were talking to Megan Shute I asked her a question about Meg you know what makes her so important or good as a captain in in these kinds of games and she said She's really, really calm and measured always. And when she gives her pre-match talk, she never swears. And I'm aware that this is a PG-rated pod. Um, So I won't say what (laughs) Megan, she told us she said. But she said said basically she was really amped before this final. And the last thing she said was, let's effing go. And (laughs) she said they were all like double take because – that's not really a big landing thing to swear like that at that time. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yes, she's been more relaxed, but also then there's clearly this rejuvenated fire to keep succeeding. That's just Meg Lanning. Elise Perry, she, she was really honest. It had just taken her a lot longer to figure out how to unlock her potential as a T20 batter. Up, up and over. That is the way to get your innings started. It was just a result of actually a few years of of hard work and trying to work it out. Since that's 100 in England last year, her strike rate in every phase of her innings, every 10-ball phase, has massively jumped. And and it's interesting because, you know, at Commonwealth Games, she wasn't considered to be in the best 11. She's reinvented herself. Very different approaches by both Meg Lanning and Elise Perry but both making massive contributions during this tournament. And they both found themselves showered in champagne and confetti on another day, celebrating again. And they were alongside Shelley Nitschke, who took the head coaching role in September in earnest last year. Arguably, there was no one who had higher stakes than her for this tournament. She was the variable. So how has she been able to steer this ship so seamlessly? The funny thing about Shelley Nitschke, you know, she was in the Australian team when Elise Perry made her debut in all three formats. The the foundations were laid by Matthew Mott and he's done brilliant things with this team, particularly since that 2017 exit from the World Cup in England. And I think Shelley Nitschke has been able to build on that, but also help to reinvigorate these players because we have seen the return of Elise Perry 
under Shelley Mitchkey. We have seen Meg Lanning come back. We've seen the continued emergence of like a Darcy Brown, for example. The way I've gone about things, I think potentially at the start, I just went with the status quo and what we'd always done. But as I sort of probably grown into the role of I've had that confidence just to be me a bit more and, and make some changes where I wanted to and trust that as well. I think it's just been seamless, but also given them, I guess, a bit of a rejuvenated focus and desire to win. Mel Farrell, you've painted a beautiful picture for us across this chat. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. Headlines. Just staying on women's cricket. Did you see the final over of the Women's State One Day Grand Final? South Australia started the over needing four to beat Tasmania. They lost five wickets in six deliveries. Well, she's hit again on the pads. And she's out! Oh, she's out! This is extraordinary. It's caught to Mashangwe. And she hits it hard. It's up to mid-off. It's a single and it won't be enough. The Tigers have won it. They've gone back-to-back. Can you believe that? They have gone back-to-back in the most dramatic circumstances. My days. Australia's men's cricket side is expecting a number of changes for the third test with India. Pat Cummins won't be back for the game as he spends time with his ill mother. And David Warner is out with a fracture in his arm. Travis Head is expected to again open the batting. Mitchell Stark will replace Cummins, while Matt Renshaw is expected to make way for Cam Green. Football, Ange Postacoglu has led Celtic to a 2-1 Scottish League Cup victory over Rangers. For those who don't know, these two teams cannot stand each other, so it's incredibly high stakes. The Aussie manager just keeps winning silverware for Celtic. In the English equivalent, Manchester United beat Newcastle to end a trophy drought stretching way back to 2017. And in women's football, Sam Kerr fought off jet lag to score a goal and help Chelsea pass Arsenal in the FA Cup. That is 82 goals in 100 games for Kerr at the Blues. And if you're into celebrity boxing bouts, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fought in Saudi Arabia this morning. Fury is the son of Tyson Fury, who's the boxing heavyweight champion of the world, and he's also a reality TV star. He won by split decision over Jake Paul. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. If you enjoyed this conversation, it's worth having a listen to our episodes on Meg Lanning's comeback and Elise Perry's bold reinvention. There are links to both those in our show notes. Thanks to Fox Cricket and cricket.com.au for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.